0: Tonight's reading is the entirety of John 9 and can be found on page 1525 of your Pew Bibles. i give you a moment to find it. From verse 1. As he went along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus, but this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. As long as it is stay, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming where no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. After saying this, he spit on the ground, made some mud with the saliva, and put it on the man's eyes. Go, he told him, wash in the pool of Siloam. This word means scent. So the man went and washed and came home seeing... His neighbors and those who had formerly seen him begging asked, "'Isn't this the same man who used to sit and beg?' Some claimed that he was. Others said, "'No, he only looks like him.' But he, himself ins- he, uh, but he himself insisted, "'I am the man.'" "'How then were your eyes opened?' they asked. He replied, "'The man they called Jesus made some mud and put it on my eyes. He told me to go to Siloam and wash.'" So I went and washed, and then I could see. "'Where is this man?' they asked him. "'I don't know,' he said. "'They brought to the Pharisees the man who had been blind. Now on the day, the day on which Jesus had made the mud and opened the man's eyes was a the Sabbath. Therefore the Pharisees also asked him how he had received his sight. "'He put mud, in my, mud on my eyes,' the man replied, "'and I washed, and now I see.' Some of the Pharisees said, This man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. But others asked, How can a sinner perform such signs? So they were divided. They turned again to the blind man. What have you to say about him? It were your eyes he opened. The man replied, Here's a prophet. They still did not believe that he had been blind and had received his sight until they sent for the man's parents. Is this your son? They asked. Is this the one you say was born blind? How is it now that he can see? We know he is our son, the the parents answered, and we know he was born blind, but how he can see now or who opened his eyes, we don't know. Ask him, he is of age, he will speak for himself. His parents said this because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders who had already decided that anyone who acknowledged that Jesus was the Messiah would be put out of the synagogue That was why his parents said, He is of age, ask him. A second time they summoned the man who had been blind. Give glory to God by telling the truth, they said. We know this man is a sinner. He replied, Whether he is a sinner or not, I don't know. One thing I do know, I was blind, but now I see. Then they asked him, What did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered, I have told you already and you did not listen why do you want to why do you want to hear it again do you want do you want to become his disciples too then they hurled insults at him and said you this fellow's disciple we're disciples of moses we know that god spoke to moses but as for this fellow we don't even know where he comes from the man answered now that is remarkable you don't know where he comes from yet he opened my eyes Do you believe in the Son of Man? Who is he, sir? The man asked. Tell me so that I may believe in him. Jesus said, You have now seen him. In fact, he is the one speaking with you. Then the man said, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. Jesus said, For judgment I have come into this world, so that the blind will see, and those who see will become blind. Some Pharisees who were with him heard him say this and asked, what, are we blind too? Jesus said, if you were blind, you would not be guilty of sin, but now that you claim you can see, your guilt remains. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Uh, When you were younger, I wonder whether you used to listen to your teachers and to your parents, uh, whether you thought you knew better than them. Uh, When I was growing up, Uh, I used to race go-karts, and I'd always be looking for how to go faster, how to find that next tenth of a second on the track. Uh, Sometimes my dad would tell me that, oh, I think you can go faster if you change this or that in your driving style, to which I'd politely nod, but I'd not really change anything, because, you know, what would he know? Um, And then a few months down the track, I'd either be taught by somebody else, or I'd come to the same discovery for myself. I'd find that actually this uh, new driving style was faster, And I'd say to that, oh, hey, I found this new thing, Uh, much to his frustration, of course. Uh, Actually, you can ask my wife, Corney. I'm pretty sure my listening skills haven't improved. Um, But you're in John 9, we see the contrast between the blind man uh, who's willing to listen to Jesus and the Pharisees who think they know better. Uh, So let's pray, and then we'll unpack this story. Let's pray. Uh, Father, we thank you for your word and for the accurate recordings we have of Jesus' life and teaching on earth. And we pray as we try to understand this particular story, that you'd give us hearts to listen, that you'd remove distractions, and that we might each come to a greater understanding of your love for us. Amen. All right, so keep your Bibles open to John 9. Uh, There's an outline there on your handout as well. So starting with point one, the work of God is displayed through empty people. The work of God is displayed through empty people. Uh, look with me there at verse 1. As he went along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus. But this happens so that the works of God might be displayed in him. Uh, now, a quick point of clarification. I take it when Jesus says that neither this man nor his parents sinned. I take it they both did sin at some stage, right? They weren't sinless. Uh, But the point Jesus makes here is that nobody's sin in particular caused this man's blindness. Do you notice what he says after that? This happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. Clearly being born blind isn't ideal. But God's able to use this bad situation to display his power and might. And this theme really runs through this entire passage. You've got the Pharisees who seem to have everything together. And on the other extreme, we have this blind man who spent his entire life on the street begging. But where's God's work displayed? It's not through the Pharisees who think they're following God's law. And think they have everything under control. it's through the man who has nothing to offer from himself. The man who comes to Jesus empty and begging. Right, now we're going to try something a little bit different tonight, so just bear with me. I've, um, well, that's fun. I've got a, a bucket here. Nathan, I'm going to need your help, is that okay? You can stay seated, sorry. Can, um, can we see that on the camera? Co- yeah, there we go. i got a bucket, and i filled it with a basketball, as you do. Um, if you want to hold that one, just hold it out here. So if I, if I try to fill this bucket up with water, I just make a mess, right? It's a bit like my baptism, actually. Um, now, I have another bucket here. This one's empty, if you hold that one. If I try to fill that up... It feels up, like no worries, right? Pretty straightforward. Could we have a round of applause for our volunteer. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and so you get the picture, right? Um, if we if we come to God trusting in ourselves, or based on our own good works, we just sort of block God from being able to work in us like a like a basketball in a bucket. But when we come to God empty, acknowledging that we're broken and sinful, and completely unable to live up to His standards, He's able to display His power through us. He's able to fill us. You know, I think, as as modern-day Australians, we're at a real risk of trying to rely on ourselves. Obviously, none of our lives are perfect, but we've got access to just about everything That we could ever want. We've got so many options and opportunities, and it's so easy for us to start to think that we've got this life under control. You know, it's so easy for us to think that we have a nice secure job, that we're managing our money well, that we've got a great Bible teaching church, and we got heaps of knowledge about God and great theology, and sure, that's all great. But we're sinners. We're all sinners. So we can't come to God with anything other than an empty heart saying, Lord, help me. And that's when God's work is displayed. Through empty people, they can't offer him anything of their own. I'd be like a blind man who can't do anything but ask for help. I think, uh, I think this point is actually reinforced right at the end of the story, so... Jump with me to verse 39 for a moment. We'll come back to the rest, but just jump down to verse 39. Um, Jesus is talking to the blind man here. He says, For judgment I have come into this world, so that the blind will see, and those who see will become blind. Some Pharisees who were with him heard him say this and asked, What, are we blind too? Jesus said, If you were blind, you would not be guilty of sin. But now that you claim you can see, your guilt remains. See, the Pharisees claimed to be able to see. They thought they were on top of the law. That they'd earned God's favor. But Jesus just sort of turns their world upside down, because um, they think they have everything together. But he says, if they realized they were blind, if they admitted their sinfulness, then they'd come to God asking for forgiveness. And when any of us come to God asking for forgiveness, he grants it. But because they didn't think they needed to be forgiven, their guilt remained. And that leads us to our second point. The message of God can only be understood if you are willing to listen. The message of God can only be understood if you are willing to listen. Let's, uh, let's get back into the story. So come with me to verse 13. I'm just going to read through a big chunk of this story again because I think it's helpful for us to understand the assumptions and cynicism of the Pharisees. So read along with me, starting at verse 13. Uh, they, brought the, they brought to the Pharisees the man who had been blind. Now the day on which Jesus had made the mud and opened the man's eyes was a Sabbath. Therefore the Pharisees also asked him how he had received his sight. He put mud on my eyes, the man replied, and I washed and now I see. Some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. But others asked, how can a sinner perform such signs? So they were divided. Okay, let's pause there. Fair enough, right? I think their logic is sound. Uh, Some of the Pharisees think, well, he's broken the Sabbath, so he can't be from God. Let's continue on. Verse 17. And they turn again to the blind man. What have you to say about him? It was your eyes he opened. The man replied, he is a prophet. They still didn't believe that he had been blind, and had received his sight until they sent for the man's parents is this your son they asked is this the one you say was born blind how is it that now he can see we know he is our son the parents answered and we know he was born blind but how he can see now who opened his eyes we don't know ask him he is of age he'll speak for himself his parents said this because they were afraid of the jewish leaders who already had decided that anyone who acknowledged that Jesus was the Messiah would be put out of the synagogue. That was why his parents said, he is of age. Ask him. Right. So can you imagine being the blind man at this point? Thinking, oh, great. My parents are going to come. They're going to they're back me up. They're going to save me. And then just being thrown under the bus. Like, I mean, I'm not a parent, right? But surely that's not what they teach in the parenting courses Do you want to become his disciples too? Then they hurled insults at him and said, You are this fellow's disciple. We are disciples of Moses. We know that God spoke to Moses, but as for this fellow, we don't even know where he comes from. Do you see what's happening? The Pharisees have come into this situation with a preconceived idea of Jesus and a preconceived idea of sin and suffering. And the message just can't pierce through those assumptions. Verse 30. The man answered, now that is remarkable. You don't know where he comes from, Yeah, he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners. He listens to the godly person who does his will. Nobody has ever heard of opening the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. To this they replied, you are steeped in sin at birth. How dare you lecture us? And they threw him out as I read through this passage, I'm just blown away each time by how the presuppositions of the Pharisees completely shape the way they view this situation. It's like when you just stick your fingers in your ears. Like, they can't see what's right in front of them because they're not coming into it with an open mind. They're so fixed on the way they view the world, they see everything through that lens, even when with hindsight we see that they were completely wrong. Uh, when I was in primary school, I thought that this tape, is there going to be tape on screen? Maybe not. You can just imagine, you know that, oh, there it is, yeah, that's silver tape. When I was in primary school, I, um, I thought this tape was called duct tape, duck is in like, quack, quack. Um, I remember when I discovered it was actually called duct tape, just being so disappointed, so I, I just refused to believe it for a couple of years. I was like, no, it's duct tape. I don't want to hear you correct me. Um, Obviously, it's a trivial example. You can please take that down. Um, It's a trivial example, but you see how we need to be willing to listen in order to understand the message that's being taught. Uh, If you're here tonight as someone who wouldn't call themselves a Christian, uh, first of all, can I say welcome? We're so glad you're here. Uh, But as you sit and listen, are you trying to understand what's being taught? Are you willing to listen? Or are you cynical? Uh, Obviously, you shouldn't just swallow my words blindly, pun intended. Uh, You should think about what you're being taught and weigh it up to think about whether you think it's true or not. But I reckon you need to come from a position of being open and willing to listen in order to be able to understand. I'm sure lots of us have met people who say, "Ah, I don't believe there's a God. Uh, If God came and showed me a sign, then I'd believe Jesus literally opened the blind man's eyes, and these people didn't believe. So how would we be any different? If you were there, and you were the one talking to the man who had been blind, but is now looking you dead in the eyes, would you believe him? Because I'm not sure whether it really matters, if it makes much difference even, if we were there or not. You know, it reminds me of the memory verse uh, that we've been learning over the last few weeks um, from the end of John's Gospel. It says, um, Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples which are not recorded in this book, but these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. John recorded this story as a reliable account so that we can read it and see that Jesus is Lord God has come and he has shown you a sign and it's right here if we come to anything with a closed mind we won't be willing to see the truth so the message of God can only be understood if we are willing to listen and if we are willing to listen and if we do understand the gospel and point three, the only right response to Jesus is worship. The only right response to Jesus is worship. Uh, come with me to verse 35. Verse 35, Jesus heard that they had thrown him out. And when he found him, he said, do you believe in the son of man? Who is he, sir? The man asked. Tell me so that I may believe in him. Jesus said, you have now seen him. In fact, he is the one speaking with you. And the man said, Lord, I believe, and he worshipped him. So, as as this story has gone on, the man becomes uh, progressively more understanding of who Jesus is. Uh, so, verse 11, he refers to him simply as the man they call Jesus. Uh, by verse 17, he declares that Jesus is a prophet. Uh, verse 33, he says that Jesus must be from God. And then finally here, Jesus goes and finds the man and explains that he's the son of man. And verse 38, then the man said, Lord, I believe, and he worshipped him. I think that's a really key sentence. Do you notice that the man doesn't simply declare, Lord, I believe, but that's immediately followed by worshipping Jesus? The acknowledgement that Jesus is Lord instantly leads to worship. The only right response is to worship Jesus, and anything less. Would be to not fully understand who he is. Anything less would be to not fully understand who he is. Um, Have any of you ever met somebody famous? A few? Yeah, not many. Um, Imagine with me for a minute that you run into your favorite athlete or actor on the street, right? I think the natural response would be to ask them for their like a selfie or for their autograph, right? Like I'm a huge F1 fan. If I run into Daniel Ricciardo on the street, I'm not just going to go, oh, look, there's an F1 driver, and walk on by. That would be ridiculous. To do that would be to not fully understand who Daniel Ricciardo is. And when we understand who Jesus is, when we understand that Jesus is the Lord of the universe, that cannot just be a logical sort of academic affirmation. The natural response and the only right response to accepting God is to worship him. So if you call yourself a Christian, if you acknowledge that Jesus is Lord, do you naturally want to worship him? Do you love God? Does your acceptance of God flow through your entire life into praise, love, and worship? Worship is, of course, more than just singing, though that's part of it. Uh, Worship is a posture before God, a humility, an adoration of his character, that shapes our entire lives. I think we see an example in the blind man who's willing to stand up for Jesus, willing to be discovered, and willing to risk being put out of the synagogue. Uh, In just a minute, we're about to sing Amazing Grace. It's a song many of us could sing probably without even thinking. But it's a song that confesses how lost, blind, empty each of us were without God's grace. A song that proclaims the wonders of grace, the wonders of God's love for us. So when you stand and you sing those words, will you just be going through the motions, wondering what's for supper? Or will you be actively worshipping the Lord Jesus who died for you? Because accepting God cannot just be a logical affirmation, it must flow out in worship. Jesus works through empty people and his message can only be understood if you're willing to listen. He reveals himself to those who are willing to accept and the only right response to accepting him must be worship. Let's pray. Uh, Father, we thank you for the example of the blind man who came to Jesus empty and begging. And we pray that you'd help us to rely on you, to be open to you, and that our love for you would flow out in worship. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.